Hello and welcome to the Permission to Eat podcast. I'm your host, Libby Parker, registered dietitian and coach for those wanting to have a life beyond an eating disorder. If you're looking for a no-nonsense pep talk with a dose of science and probably a few theater references, you're in the right place. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our intuitive eating series. We are on principle number three, honor your hunger. So remember, these are all coming from the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Trivoli and Elise Raish. Totally not sure if I pronounced their names right, as usual. Uh, Really great book. You should check it out. Uh, And I apply these principles to the clients that I see in private practice, as do all of my dietitians. So we're going to dig into how I understand these principles of intuitive eating. So today we're talking about hunger and fullness. So there is actually a difference between hunger and appetite and satiety and being satisfied. So let's just start talking about that. So when we say we're hungry, hunger is a physiological response. Like we get physically hungry, our body needs food. Obviously our body needs food to survive. If you don't understand that yet, we'll get into it. Um, Appetite is our desire to eat. So something is either appetizing, meaning it sounds good and we want it, or it sounds not appetizing and we're not feeling it. And hunger and appetite can occur together or separately. So you can be physically hungry and not have an appetite for whatever reason, whether the food around is not appealing or you know, you're feeling sick or stressed so you don't have an appetite but your body still requires food and vice versa. You can find something very appetizing and want to eat it and be very full and not physically hungry. So I just want you to be aware that they can be opposing simultaneously and that's not wrong. So satiety really refers to, are we feeling satisfied with the food that we're eating? So that's both in terms of amount of food, are we eating a satisfying amount that we're feeling full and comfortable? And are we feeling satisfied by getting our nutrient needs met? Is the taste and mouthfeel satisfying? Is our brain satisfied with what we're having? Um, That can go in a lot of different ways. So I just wanted to start out with a little bit of that vocab to know that it's not wrong if you're feeling these opposing thoughts at the same time. Okay, so I think we've talked a little bit about how our stomach works in terms of its stretch response to food, but we're gonna dig in a little bit more. So our stomach is so cool. It can hold anywhere from about a tablespoon of food and fluid up to about a liter of capacity in our average adult. And so at any given time, it can hold that amount of food and fluid, but where our stomach kind of hangs out on a daily basis in terms of size or volume (laughs) capacity is based on our typical amount of food that we're eating. So our typical portion sizes. So when, for instance, when someone is restricting and eating small amounts, our stomach is going to just hang out in our stomach in a smaller size or smaller capacity 
um, than someone who is eating a quote unquote normal amount of food or someone who eats very large portions, the stomach's gonna be stretched out more. And again, none of these are wrong. Our stomach is super flexible. Uh, what it, but where our stomach is hanging out impacts some of that fullness and satiety signals that we're getting in our brain. So when we have our stomach just hanging out there, so I'm, I'm I like to use the example of someone who's under eating, so I think it makes more sense, but you can apply this to wherever your stomach is at. So our stomach is kind of small and um, all of the cell, well, maybe not all of the cells, but there are cells in the lining of our stomach that contain these receptor molecules that when our stomach stretches in regard to having food and fluid come and fill up our stomach and slowly stretch it out, those stretch receptor cells send a signal up to our brain that our stomach is getting full and that we should stop eating. So when we are in chronic restriction, we are getting early fullness signals. That's why someone who has been eating very lightly, even though their body may physically need more food, more fuel, more calories, they might feel full and like, I can't eat anymore. So this has been happening to you. This is what's going on. So our brain is saying, Ooh, our stomach is stretched out, even though it technically can stretch quite a bit more. Um, but because of our, our normal shape of our stomach, um, our brain is saying, oof, we're getting full. So that makes it uncomfortable to eat more, um, even when your body literally needs more food. I'm going to go through some different examples here, but uh, we'll get into kind of what to do with that too. So similarly in when we're someone's chronically overeating and eating more food than their body needs, their stomach's going to be stretched out quite large and it's going to take a lot of food and fluid to create a little stretch for the brain to say stop eating. And so they're going to continue to want to eat more and more food in order to create that feeling of fullness. So in both these ways, we can get our stomach back to kind of where it needs to be to accurately fuel our body. But I just want you to recognize here, just like with our hunger and appetite that can be opposing, so can our fullness cues in terms of our body might have different needs than our brain is telling us hungry or full. Okay. So with either of these, what I like to tell clients is what I call my two bite rule. So if you are struggling to eat enough, you're feeling full very easily, I would say eat two bites past your feelings of fullness so that your stomach slowly starts to stretch back out to where it needs to be so that we're working on getting that food in without making you so uncomfortable like doubling your portions right away just every time you eat eat two extra bites similarly if you are this is probably more with like you know chronic overeating and this you know i don't promote weight loss come on guys um you want to try to eat two bites less because then it's not creating a huge change again we're just slowly kind of reshaping our stomach hopefully that makes sense okay so there's a lot more to hunger and fullness than 
just these stretch receptor molecules. There are lots of neuropeptides like neuropeptide Y and other hormones going on in the body and in our bloodstream that's triggering this hunger. Not gonna get into all of those right now. It's gonna be a very heavy science topic, but just know that our body has so much going on all the time that we're not even aware of. We have hormones, we have neurochemicals, we have um, pH levels, we have protein buffers and calcium ion channels. There's lots of stuff happening all the time and we're creating ATP from our food that we're putting in and creating energy and there's a lot happening. Okay, so just know there's a lot happening. Maybe in a future podcast episode, we can dig into more of the science behind this, but I, this is going to get too long if I go into it right now. So uh, all of these things are affecting our brain, which is affecting everything else, of course. So let's talk about what happens in restriction because I find that most eating disorders are created from some sort of restriction. Even if you are binging later, usually there's restriction that leads up to that. So let's talk about this. So what's happening in our brain with restriction? So as we continuously restrict, whether this is a full-blown eating disorder, a diet, just eating below your needs, your metabolism is actually going to lower. So every time we restrict, our metabolism lowers down and it lowers your heart rate. Also, we're lowering blood pressure and blood flow and digestion rate. So there's a lot of um, mechanisms in our organs going on here that are basically putting our body into survival mode because we're not getting enough energy. Therefore, we need to conserve energy. So what's happening is as we decrease the amount of calories coming in, things like, I love the way Dr. Jennifer Gaudiani puts this, that our, our heart starts to slow down, have fewer beats per minute because there literally is not enough calories to eke out another beat. And once it kind of crashes a threshold, that can be very dangerous. The, the reason that anorexia nervosa has the highest rate of mortality of any psychiatric illness is because of primarily sudden cardiac death. So heart basically just stops. That's really scary to me. But we've got other things that are going on too with this restriction. So our blood pressure can get all wonky. The mechanism that keeps our blood pressure in a proper range and keeps blood flowing up to our head when we're standing um, gets kind of undone. Like again, it's not being supported by nutrients. So that's why if you've, um, if you're in this situation and you've gone to your doctor and they said you're orthostatic because they've done your blood pressure lying down, sitting and standing, um, that's what's going on. The mechanisms that are keeping the blood around your brain are getting faulty from lack of nutrition. So that's something else that we're worried about. And things that you might notice a little bit sooner is your digestion will actually slow down. So it's very, very common to see something called delayed gastric emptying, which for most people show up as at least mild constipation. 
in terms of like not going to the bathroom as frequently um, or having just more difficult to pass bowel movements trying to make this not super awkward here. Um, but dietitians, we talk about what comes in the body and what goes out. Um, so what's happening there is when we're not putting in enough food on a regular basis, again, bodies in survival mode, we're not producing as many enzymes to break down food or the muscles of our digestive tract are not um, contracting and expanding as much as possible or as much as usual. And food will kind of sit in the stomach for a little bit longer, um, both until there's enough that the body wants to release into the small intestine, but also to try to maximize nutrient absorption. Cause again, our body assumes we're in a famine and we better hang on to everything. So that means that everything is getting slowed down going through the digestive tract. Uh, we're absorbing all that water and can create more constipation. Um, this can show up in some pretty uh, painful issues and oftentimes eating disorders, especially restrictive eating disorders, mimic IBS, irritable bowel syndrome symptoms and people are getting misdiagnosed when once they start eating normally, again, recovering from that eating disorder, the symptoms go away. So that's kind of how we tell if it's true IBS or not, because IBS, unfortunately, is usually with people for the rest of their lives. Eating disorders don't have to be. So just know that if you're having digestive issues, if you work on recovery, you might not have digestive issues anymore. So another fun fact. Okay, so let's talk about the biology of being full. So when we're actually taking care of our body and giving it enough nutrients, we're having kind of the opposite reaction of all that stuff that I just said in a good way, right? So our brain is firing at full force. Our heart is beating as it should and is strong. Our organs are doing what they're supposed to do. Our cells are getting the energy that they need. So they're all functioning properly. And you're gonna see this very much from having a nice stable mood. You're not gonna be having as many mood swings when you're well-fueled. You're going to have more energy. You're gonna be able to focus and concentrate better. You're going to obsess less about food. Think about this. So if I tell you, don't think about a penguin, what did you just think about? Penguin, right? So if we're saying, I can't eat food, I can't eat the cookie, I can't eat this, of course you're gonna be thinking about it because number one, your body physically is hungry as we talked about, even if you're not having that appetite because you've talked yourself out of this long enough, your body is physically hungry. And then you say you can't have something, well, that's gonna make you want it more. It's putting it on that pedestal. So if we're eating, if we're allowing all foods, we're not going to be focusing on it so much. Your brain is going to be so free from all of that obsessive focus. And something that a lot of people don't talk about is also when we're fueled well, we're going to be sleeping better. Chronic insomnia does tend to go along with chronic restriction. Okay, so let's get into our range of hunger and fullness or hunger spectrum. So uh, you'll see these charts around, um, oftentimes it's on a scale of one to 10, which is what I like to use. So I'm going to be using that, but some people have like one to five or one to 20, kind of depends. So we're looking at one is ravenous, like we'll eat anything. So on empty five is neutral 
and 10 is overstuffed Thanksgiving dinner, unbuttoning your pants, really uncomfortable, right? So I like people to start thinking about where am I at with my hunger? And this can be at any time. This is not just when you're eating, right? Because we start getting hungry before we start eating, theoretically. And uh, so we want to kind of notice what's happening and we can start finding our own rhythms. So where I like to see on a general basis is that people start eating when they're around a three, maybe a four, and stop eating when they're around a seven to eight on the spectrum. So again, remember one is starving, 10 is overly full, five is neutral. So we're gonna be eating our meals when we're at like a three and hopefully our meal will take us up to six, seven, eight, somewhere in there and then we'll stop eating. And then as the time between meals goes by, our, you know, we're gonna get hungrier again because the food's getting used up and we'll get down to five, four, three, somewhere in there, we're gonna start eating again. So this hunger spectrum is really useful as you start to get in tune with your body's hunger cues to help you decide when to eat, when to stop eating. And if you've been in the midst of an eating disorder, you can't rely on your hunger cues right away. So that's where, you know, working with a dietitian is going to be very helpful to getting some consistency back. I really like to get people on an eating schedule of meals and snacks, your body starts to anticipate when it's time to eat and then your hunger and fullness cues will come back. So we'll talk about that more in a second, but just really starting to listen to your body and notice what's happening there. So it can be really difficult to notice these things if you have been using food or hunger to numb out, to ignore. You've been skipping meals. You've been really stressed. Uh, you've been on a diet with really strict rules. It's going to be hard to reconnect to these hunger and fullness cues just saying, oh, I'm going to start listening to my body. <laughs> so we're going to talk about some ways that we can get into actually making this work for you. So I am going to say my first thing would be just start noticing what your body is telling you. So really increasing your body awareness. Think about, just do a body scan, head to toe. What am I feeling in my body? Where am I feeling it? I find that for a lot of people, hunger, you know, everyone thinks it's only in the stomach, you're going to get gurgling noises. And for some people, that's absolutely true. But there's a lot of other tells for hunger. So it can be um, lightheadedness or, you know, starting to get a headache, difficulty concentrating. Um, it can be those stomach pangs or noises. You might feel it a little bit higher up. Um, just start noticing what your body tells you when you know you're starting to get hungry. Like what, what tells you have? It can be very, very minor. So this can take some time. And then I would say my number one thing to help you get your hunger and fullness cues back is to start eating on a schedule. And it doesn't need to be perfect. I, I don't want you guys to ever worry about doing things perfectly. 
because I think most of the time we're trying to get away from that, but eating at relatively consistent times. So I like to use what I call eating zones. And this doesn't have to necessarily be a lifelong thing, but I, I use this as kind of my scaffolding to get you from eating disorder or diet culture to food freedom. And that is finding the like hour windows of time in which you're going to eat your meals or snacks throughout the day that space your food out and work with your schedule. So for most people, it's three meals and two to three snacks a day is pretty comfortable. So figuring out, for instance, like between seven and 8 a.m., I'm going to have breakfast and then 10 to 11 a.m., I'm gonna have a snack, one to two, I'm gonna have lunch and so forth, right? And then whatever is gonna work with your schedule and just start being consistent. And as you get consistent with your eating zones, your hunger and fullness cues will start to recalibrate and you'll start to really notice it. You need to kind of retrain your body to give you hunger cues because you've trained it to not give hunger cues. And I know this is super scary. I know people don't like feeling hungry and full if they've had an eating disorder typically. Um, so I, I don't want this to be a scary thing. This is a really cool thing because your body can take care of you. We don't need to micromanage this. Your body knows what it's doing. And once we can get back to really listening to it, you can trust your body and your body will take care of you. So this is where I really want you to just start thinking about how can I get consistent? How can I start paying attention to my body? What's going on? And if that, that can be <laughs> quite a goal for a while just to get those going. Um, again, if you need more help with this one-on-one -on -one nutrition counseling with a registered dietitian is a great idea. So some things that can come up as you start to reconnect with hunger and fullness, you might experience some issues like we mentioned. Um, a lot of times the restriction in particular makes a lot of things go away because you're just not eating enough, right? So as you start to eat again, things like bloating and gas can come up. And there's actually um, a really interesting thing. So as I said, our digestive tract is made up of muscles, right? We're pushing the food along. And there are also the abdominal muscles that go over that and our diaphragm and everything. There's a lot going on in our torso. Obviously all of our organs are housed there. There's a lot of muscles. There's a lot happening there. And when you haven't been using your digestive tract frequently enough as you would for being actually healthy, um, those muscles atrophy. So when you put in food, sometimes those muscles just kind of let go for a little bit. And that's what can create that really distended stomach where people will comment like, oh, I look like I'm pregnant when they've been a restrictive eater and just ate a slightly larger meal or just ate something. And it's like all of a sudden the stomach just kind of lets go and it looks super bloated. And that does not mean that that's gonna be forever. That does not mean that you gained a bunch of weight or whatever. It's literally gas and your body's muscles just not having the strength to hold your abdomen 
together while you're digesting. And that will get so much better as you continue to eat enough and eat on regular, you know, eat, eat at regular times and your body gets used to that, that should go away. So please, please, please don't use that as a reason to not eat. Um, similarly, that early satiety from, again, that stomach stretch is a deterrent for a lot of people. There can be the feelings of nausea or needing to vomit. Um, you might feel more constipation initially because there's more food, but you're still having that delayed gastric transit time from that not using it enough. Um, could even get some reflux. So these are all things that they will get better as you continue to eat, but you have to kind of get over this hump of your body hasn't been being asked to use all of these systems as much or as often as it should. And so kind of revamping up to eating quote unquote normally is there's gonna be some discomfort with that. And I want you to just know that that's totally normal and to be expected and it gets better. These things will go away as you continue to eat consistently, eat enough, you just have to push through it. And it's, it's just kind of part of the body's healing process after not being real nice to your body for a while. Okay. So that is where I'm going to leave this episode. I know this is kind of a heavy one, but there's a lot of mechanics to the body. This is why nutrition is a science. Um, there's a lot of science, a lot of mechanisms going on. So we're going to keep digging into all these intuitive eating principles and just know that food freedom is totally possible. It's totally possible for you. And I hope that you're going to dig into these principles, start experiencing for this for yourself. Hopefully you'll check out the intuitive eating book and you'll check out permission to eat and start working on your recovery. I'm so glad that you tuned in today and I'll see you next week. Want more? Please find me on social media at Dietitian Libby. Check out my book, Permission to Eat, on Amazon or wherever you buy books online. Or go way deeper with accountability in my monthly membership support group, Permission to Eat with Confidence. I'd love to have you join our amazing group of people helping lift each other up and create big wins in their recovery journey. You can learn about all of these on my website, notyouraveragenutritionist.com. Oh, and one last thing. If you love this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and let me know what you specifically love so that I can build on that. Those five-star reviews help it come up in recommended shows so that others can find it and get just as much out of it as you do. If this episode really spoke to you, please take a screenshot and share on social media. Thanks so much.